Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode 333 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, on this beautiful, beautiful Monday. And uh, we have a loaded, loaded schedule this weekend to preview, guys. So uh, we'll be joined by a guest here in a little bit. We'll do some news and notes. We're going to review fun card that we had last weekend in uh I was going to say Los Angeles, but it's technically just outside Los Angeles. Let's be technically correct. And uh, we'll preview all sorts of fight action from around the world this weekend. Um, but I got to say, man, it, as much as we have on the schedule this weekend, there's only one card I'm actually really looking forward to watching live because most of it's showcases. So we'll talk about that stuff. Um, all right. Uh, let's jump right into... Uh, while we're waiting on our guest, let's jump into news and notes. And I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to rehash too much of this because I talked about it on my Friday show. By the way, guys, uh, I, I skipped right over this, but make sure that you're subscribed to my YouTube channel. Click the notification bell. Never miss a live video. Uh, of course, the show goes out on audio podcast platforms everywhere around the world. So you guys can listen to it later there. But if you can catch the show Monday, great. You can join the chat. You can call in. Also, I try to do a show on Friday. I don't get it every Friday. It depends. I mean, you know, I'm busy. I got things going on. But we let it rip a little bit more on Friday. Uh, we let some of the curse words go. We have a little fun. We might show some Instagram thoughts, <laughs> images. We just have fun, right? So so um, maybe it's a little, you know, uh, trigger warning, get your trigger warning ready if you come over to the Friday show. But I'm just saying, last Friday, we had a good time talking about this situation with Connor Ben and uh, performance-enhancing drugs. And that's not all we talked about, but it pretty much dominated the show. We had some great calls, though. It was a lot of fun. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out, all right? We talk about that whole case. So I'm not going to spend half an hour talking about it here. I just want to hit it if you guys haven't seen the Friday show from last week. Uh, Connor Ben, of course, he was scheduled to fight Chris Eubank Jr. last weekend in the UK, and he tested positive for uh, what is technically marketed as a female fertility drug, but um, it, it's used in doping circles at the end of a doping cycle. So there, there's absolutely no reason that Connor Ben should have had this in the system. It's a dead giveaway that the guy was juicing using steroids. There was a lot of spin from his promoter, Eddie Hearn, and Matchroom. They tried to put the fight on. They tried to fight any way they could to keep that fight on. But ultimately, they did the right thing, and they postponed the show. Uh, so Conor Ben, it remains to be seen what's going to happen to him. But um, UCAD, UK Anti-Doping, is now saying there might be a four-year suspension, which is ridiculous. They're not going to do that. At most, the guy might get a year. But, it, again, this is one of those things. He had um, – Clomid is the short name for the drug that was in the system, by the way. Um, and basically, you use it to get your testosterone production going again after you're juicing, using steroids, uh, because when you use steroids, you have so much synthetic testosterone uh, that you're pretty much putting into your body that your body stops naturally producing it. So that's why he was doing this. And he can't say, oh, this is tainted beef I ate or, you know, this this is something that, you know, wild boar like Tyson Fury, right? He, there's just no excuse for this. So, so it's like a dead giveaway that the dude was on steroids. And when you look at Conor Ben's recent fights where he's had a couple of explosive knockouts over guys that are generally speaking pretty, uh, pretty durable, and the fact that he was bulking up, tried to move up and wait in this fight, just doesn't look good. 
So I think the dude's definitely going to be suspended. He should be. Uh, and look, it, it's kind of fun watching the spin from certain people in the media, from certain platforms, but also from the promotion. Um, Eddie Hearn himself tried to spin this, right? And, and I'm not going to get into the whole Vada versus UCAD thing and all that. But he tried to do his spin. But now I guess Steven Espinoza had something to say. And so, some people from other platforms have spoken up. Um, props to Mike Coppinger because he put Steven Espinoza on blast today uh, saying, you know, because Steven Espinoza, Showtime guy, was basically saying, oh, it's terrible that they were going to try to go forward with this card. And and Cop said, well, what about when uh, Eric Morales fought? And it was him and um, shit, I can't remember who, who the hell he was fighting, but it was one of the early PBC cards. And he popped for something. And they went forward with that show. I mean, come on. Steven Espinoza has had women beaters who did prison time for beating women on the Showtime platform. So come on, man. All these guys are hypocrites. And it's just funny to watch the spin, man. Super chat from Papa Chubby. What's up, Chad? He said, who? Thanksgiving weekend here. Having a beer while I watch today. That's right. For the Canucks. Can I say that? I say that lovingly to my Canadian friends. It's Thanksgiving for you guys up there, man. Uh, happy Thanksgiving for you guys. You're doing it about a month early uh, before we do it down here. Uh, you're probably doing a healthier version of what we do down here because us Americans love to eat shitty food. Probably less guns, too, I'm imagining. People here love guns. I don't know what it is. Anyway, Chad, thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate the super chat. All right, <laughs> let's jump. Um, we'll talk some more about that stuff and some other stuff go, uh, coming up, guys. But let me uh, jump to uh, my guest hotline here. Let's bring on our guest. Um, let me also share my screen. And bring on Terry the Boss Moss. Terry, what's up? Like that screen. <laughs> right. That's a great picture, you Mike. I know. Hey, I, I had to share the screen because center stage, that's the venue that's putting on Atlanta Corporate Fight Night number 15. I uh, used that awesome shot last year with me and Jill Diamond of the WBC. That was such a proud moment. That was such a great event. And this is number 15 that you're putting on Thursday, right, Terry? Is it 15? Yeah, I'm still doing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's our 15th. Uh, um, okay. It's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a really good time for us, actually. It's the longest running series that I've got. So um, it, really one of my most fun shows. I was talking to uh, Thomas Gervasi today, and I was telling him, he was talking about one time he did a smoker or something like that. And um, he was, we were talking about why these are so exciting. You know, it's just the guts and the glory and and, uh, you know, it's not there's not as much technical skill, but all you see is about heart. And those are the fun fights to watch. So they're really great fights. Yeah. Yeah. So so and it's for charity. I should mention um, you guys that listen to the show. You remember when I fought on this event last year in the main event. It was very, very special for me because of what I was fighting for, who I was fighting for. Uh, it's something that I'll never forget. So um, I, for all the people that are fighting in it, they all have their individual reason, right, Terry? And it makes for these great stories. But ultimately, the proceeds from this show go to charity. I think this year, is it Hoodies for the Homeless that you guys are doing? Yeah, it's a, well, it's an event called Hoodies for the Homeless. If you okay. Google it, there's quite a few of those. <laughs> so we had a little trouble uh, getting those, getting the right verbiage out there. But um, yeah, this is a group called FTP The Movement. They're a nonprofit, and they, they host this event. Uh, in Atlanta, and it's a uh, you know they it's a clothing drive plus you know money of course to to get out there and just literally hit the streets of Atlanta and give out the clothing you know I'll, we get to do it our you know with them it's going to be in December so uh, we'll you know they'll be bringing clothes so in other words this this show is going to go on a little bit through December until we continue collecting items and things like that and then we get to go out there ourselves and distribute it which is really cool um, and then some of the funds are going to purchase things for them as well. That's awesome and you know a lot of people don't realize. 
here in Atlanta in, in the winter, it gets cold. Yeah. Like I was surprised by that. Like when I moved here from LA, I'm like, oh, it's we're in Georgia. It's gonna be hot as shit <laughs> all year round, but it's actually cold in the winter. So like this right. is a really cool thing uh for the homeless population and FTP, those those are good guys. Yeah. Um, so what can you tell us about the show and, and the venue? Cause I've never been to center stage. That's in Midtown, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a really cool venue because it says it's all stadium seating. There's not a bad seat in the house, which is why they call it center stage. It's, you know, all, all, uh, every seat in the house is going to be a good, a good show. It's an intimate venue. It's it only holds about 820 people, something like that. Okay. Um, but it's really good for, for boxing because, like I said, everybody can see right down into the ring. Nobody's having to look up or look over anybody. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool spot. And it was built, uh, like, I think, 1965 in Atlanta, one of the first uh, theaters they had there. So it's got a really big history, and it's a, it's a concert venue. And they, they literally have uh, – there are a couple other venues connected to it. We're using two of them for this show because we're going to have a reunion an OG, oh, yeah. reunion. OG reunion. OG I'll reunion. I'll be there. Pop up there. We're gonna have a, you know, yeah. it's in vinyl right next door, and uh, we'll have some live music and champagne toast. We got a big corporate fight night cake for you guys, and some appetizers and things we're passing out. And uh, then, you know, they all come down to some ringside seats, uh, and it'll be really fun. Uh, I, hope, I hope you're gonna be there, Mike, for that. You have to have a champagne oh, yeah. toast. With I, well, that's the cool thing. I'm not fighting on this one, so I can drink <laughs> champagne. <laughs> And then Tiffany will be there eating. So she's happy to have right. the food. So yeah, that's really cool. Um, you having the OG reunion for like all the people that have fought on this before. Right. And we come to that dinner. Many, yeah, we've reached out to as many as we could, but it's you know, we started this show in 2010. Okay. So uh 15 shows since then, and there are a lot of people we just really lost contact with, but we've got about 50 people coming. So um, but we we were hoping I mean, we must have sent invitations out to around 400 boxers, <laughs> but wow. we just, you know, if you can't find them, you can't find them. So, um, but we, we certainly, of course, I didn't want to give that many tickets away. Did I? Yeah. That's like, that's too many. That's like, yeah, yeah it's too well, much that going on. <laughs> yeah. but, but no, yeah, even but, like but, 50 yeah, okay. former fighters, 50 people who have fought on this thing. Right. Like for me, it will be cool to talk to some of the people that were in the first few. Right. I know the show, like I, I was going to ask you when it started. So it goes back over a decade in, um, I know that it's something that fight fans and sports fans here in, in Atlanta look forward to because they know what to expect from your shows. They're super, super fun, right. professional. You know what you're doing. You're the right. best promoter in Atlanta, bar none. Yeah. I've been to so many shows that I'm just like, I'll, I'll turn to my wife and be like, it's such a cluster fuck, you know, and I'm trying to be nice. Right. Your shows are awesome. So yeah. Um, anyway. Great compliment coming to you, Mike, for sure. Thank you. Well, I, I'm just, it's going to be fun to to be there and to not have to worry about fighting so I right. can eat and talk and cheer. I, I can be, and I won't be doing commentary. Oh, look at that. Fight week. Are you getting a call right now? No, sorry, Mike. <laughs> I was just going to say, yo, fight week. You, you wear a hundred different hats. How are you feeling right now? Because I know you probably slept two hours last night. Yeah, I'm I'm just in production. A fight week, you know, it's pretty much just you know making sure all the all the parts are moving in the right place and they're they're all going to be there on time and you know putting all the little ends together. So you know the hard work is really earlier on just putting together you know the finances and the the fight card and you know getting things set up. But now we're we're on the cruise cruise time. So I'm this, this is the time I actually like the most. I just get okay. mostly working with my hands, you know, and writing things down. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's good. 
I love all those belts there behind you. That's freaking no, awesome. <laughs> I know my, my collection is not nearly as cool as that. <laughs> That's pretty dope. You got gloves back there. <laughs> yeah. I got a couple of the bell, uh, Aparicio's belts back there and then three or four of those are mine. And then I've got a few other ones, some amateur stuff down there. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is Abel going to be there and everybody oh, he else? Should be there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's been out for, you know, this knee injury and, just waiting for this surgery. It's so slow. We're waiting forever, but it's coming. So um, okay. we'll be anxious to get back in the ring. And then um, what do you, what else do you have planned as far as just regular shows at Buckhead fight club, like going down the line, do you have anything yeah. else this year or is it all next year? Yeah. So we have a show. Uh, well, actually next weekend, I'll be at the women's hall of fame, international women's hall of fame uh, in Las Vegas, because I'm in the board of directors right after this show. Right. And um, that that weekend, so I'll be on the there's a, a pro show at my gym on the 22nd. Then I've got a, a around the 18th of November. F, uh, uh, FTP's got another show. That's right, yeah. College fight night on the 3rd of December, and then on the 9th I've got a pro show at Center Stage, this same venue. So that's my year wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot going on. Uh, so you're staying busy right through the end of the year. Well, you know, if, if I can get out of the house. If I can escape, I, I'll be there. So, so just let me know. Um, Absolutely. Then, yeah. We're going to broadcast the, I'd love to have you commentate. <laughs> I'm comment down. You yeah. know, I love doing the commentary. Yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely down for that. Have you, Mike? have you been to one of the college fight night shows? Yeah, I did one last, was it okay. last year? Last year. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Cause it was um, the captain of the Georgia tech team. Oh yeah, right. He was in the main event. I think. Yeah, it didn't last long, yeah. but yeah, well, he's yeah. He's fighting on this corporate show now. So I know that's know. right. Yeah, he's fighting uh, this Thursday, so that's cool. Right, and he, you know, he graduated, moved out to uh, San Francisco, and just wanted to do this. We actually have two tech students on this show. So one of them is a aeronautical engineer. He works for Lockheed, and then wow. uh, the other one that's coming back from the last from the last college show. I'm not sure exactly what he's some kind of engineer. They're all engineers. They're know. a lot smarter than us. Yeah, <laughs> They're a lot smarter than us. I know that. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, Mike, I've done some really interesting shows. So thinking this is my 15th, um, you know, my third show, I did a reunion for the 84 Olympic team. Um, we had them all there except for one deceased uh, uh, that we brought his brother. And that was um, Steve. Uh, well, now I can't forget. I'm getting old here, Mike. Um, <laughs> everybody but one we had there, including Pernell Whitaker, Meldrick Taylor, Virgil um, Hill, Evander Holyfield, all, Henry Tillman. They were so fun. And, you know, they uh, that was one of the most entertaining shows because they they got up there and worked corners. And they were oh, playing $1 bets on the fight. $1. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that I've seen really the fun. pictures. Yeah. And it looked cool. like everybody had a great time that night. So Yeah, we've done some. And then one... Uh, you know, on my, I think my 12th show, I did the Georgia Aquarium. We had MMA and Muay Thai and kickboxing on that show. So that was pretty cool to have that mixture of things. But so this one here, we're just going to see what happens, you know, from this show and where we go with it and go from there. How has, is, is this year, does it feel different in any way than years past or is it kind of the same old same? You know, it's, so there's, when I started this, you know, I, I had to go through a lot of hoops to, you know, just to get my, um, get the show off the ground. You know, it's, as I said, I was talking to Thomas Gervasi and he was talking about um, how they did the smokers at Gleason's, but they weren't really sanctioned fights. And, you know, USA Boxing caught wind of it and said, if anybody fights on that show, they can't do the Golden Gloves. And, you know, I mean, it, it was kind of where it was when I started this. So I, um, when, when I tried to get, it took me about two and a half years to get the first show off the ground because I went through hoops with uh, USA Boxing and 
uh, the, the, the local LBC we had here and then mm-hmm. uh, got all kinds of approval. And then uh, even Andy Foster, who's now the um, uh, California State Athletic Commission director, he he did us, you know, he was Georgia at that time and he did a cease and desist. <laughs> you can't have that show. So it, wow. it, we, we went through a lot. So uh, to get it off the ground, but now there's so much going on, you know, their masters tournaments and up shoot in the UK. I think they have, um, they have like, it's a whole another level of boxing, like your, your amateur pro or white collar and they win championships and everything over there. Yeah. And so there's just so much more out there now that it's definitely, I'm seeing a little bit of downsize on our show, but uh, to center stage, it's like we're moving to, into more of a grittier fight venue than just a plush ballroom and you know the Georgia Aquarium and you know uh, you know things like last that. year Buckhead <laughs> Theater, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buckhead Theater. that was that, one that's like that was, that was posh. That was like yeah, it's posh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but we'll still dress this one up. So this is this is going to have a lot more fight feel to it than you know a ballroom, but it's definitely going to be great. So awesome. Well, I, I, we'll definitely be there for the OG reunion. And I can have a couple of drinks this time. Not too many because I got to drive, but you know, I have a couple, I have a couple and uh, we'll hang out. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, if, if people in the Atlanta area watching this, all my Atlanta peeps, if you guys want to get tickets, uh, go to center stage, go to their website. I have a pulled up right here. You can buy tickets right there and then they could, can they do it through uh, Ticketmaster too? Yeah. Sure. Ticketmaster.com. Yeah. We're, we're okay. sold out of our tickets. So all that's left is what's on the Ticketmaster side. Yeah, because you guys, you're sold out with all your stuff, right? Yeah, we sold all our th- All right. Well, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So, yeah, the only place to get them now is online, right? Yes, online or at the door. You can get them at the door. Okay, okay. All right, yeah. cool. If you want to choose your seat, you can get them online, yeah. All right. And um, Amy's coming out, Amy Green. I think she's going to yeah. be here Wednesday, right? Yeah, she doesn't know, but we're giving her a special award because she's the original OG. <laughs> she was there for the very first show, um, you know, before it actually – well, when we first started kicking it off, so she's she's been there since every you know since fight night one. So we're gonna give her a special award and that's cool. And, you know, honor her. She's been a big help to our promotion, all of my shows. She's been with me for many many years. So yeah, she's awesome. So yeah. she's actually who introduced us. So oh yeah, um, right. <laughs> how cool is that? Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, we'll um, I'll see you Thursday, and then we'll um, we'll work some of these other shows at, toward the end right. of the year, and then. Once I get my butt back in shape, I'll fight on some of them next get year. In there, Mike. So, all right. <laughs> I mean, we're lucky we got you. We have you here in Atlanta now, so we can pull you into all of our events. But yep. yeah, that's really pull me fun. in there, kicking and screaming. And just don't tell my wife; she might yell at me. But nah, it's all good. She's she's totally supportive. Hey, she's so. gonna have that baby, and she'll be on the next show. That's what I'm telling her. We need to get her on one. I'm sure so. she will. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Terry, the boss, thank boss. You so much, Mike. What's up? I said, thank you so much. Uh, oh, okay. Atlanta Corporate Fight Night 15, Thursday night. I'll see you soon. Have a good one. You too. Thanks again, right. Mike. Ciao. All right, there she goes, guys. Uh, again, for my Atlanta peeps, make sure you check out centerstage.com. I think it's centerstage.com. Let me double check. Centerstage-Atlanta.com. And that's where you guys can get uh, tickets. And then you can get them at the door. Uh, I haven't been to this venue, but I heard it's a lot of fun. So I'll let you guys know all about it. But... Terry, uh, I've had her on the show a few times and I'll continue to have her on the show because she's awesome and she's a true club promoter. And she started doing this, guys, uh, when I guess some of the different events that she's doing right now that you see more of now, where you see like um, juniors, masters, women's tournaments, um, college cards, college amateur teams boxing against each other. And then the white collar stuff, all this stuff. Uh, Terry started doing it a while ago 
It's been over a decade. And now you're seeing it popping up like in every city, right? She's kind of one of the OGs in doing it as a female and just hanging around her and her business associates and the way they do it. They don't remind you every five seconds that they're females. They're just boxing people. She's a former fighter herself. Um, pretty awesome, pretty awesome lady. And we always have a great time at her show. So any of you guys in Atlanta, make sure you check it out. And then um, when some of her, the, the next pro show comes on, I do commentary that will be broadcast. I will let you guys know the links and all that. So you guys can, can check it out. And you see me do my thing, you know, ringside. And then uh, you see some really fun fights, the club shows, man, I'm telling you it's where it's at more and more of the so-called big shows that we see. It's just showcase after showcase, you know, who's going to win. I gotta say, I, I'm getting more and more interested in going to the club shows again, because that's where I actually see real fucking fights. Uh, anyway, all right, let's go back to, um, I hit some news and notes real quick. And uh, Chad says Atlanta's lucky to have her. Dude, th the boxing community here, there's still some some old school guys that kind of, I think, don't fully respect her because she's a woman. They're dumb because she's doing, she's like promoting laps around some of these other guys. And there's been a couple of like, there was a PBC show they did recently here. I'm not going to get into details. It was like a, a mid-level, you know, show, but it was one of their guys from New York came down and, and did a show here. And it was a complete clusterfuck because he didn't listen to her. Um, so, and the guys that know, trust her and work with her and they, they do good business. <clears throat> she understands this market. She's taught me a lot my, about this market um, since I've moved here. All right, let's get into the review and talk about what we saw last weekend. And then we will look at a full, full preview of this weekend. We got a lot to talk about. So last uh, Saturday night in Carson, California, it was PBC on Showtime and a very, very sparse crowd there at the Dignity Health Home Depot Center, whatever the hell it's called, to see Sebastian Fondura score a unanimous decision win over Carlos Ocampo. I'll briefly talk about this one. I, I don't even know how much I need to talk about this fight because here's the thing. So Ocampo, people remember when he fought uh, Errol Spence a few years back, it was blown out in one round in a welterweight fight, right? And now he's at 154 and he's fighting Sebastian Fondura, who's coming off a fight of the year contender. If you don't have Fondora Lubin as your fight of the year, that's okay. But you have to admit it's at least in, it's somewhere in the top three, four, three or four of them. It's right up there, right? So coming off of that, people just expected this blowout. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that this fight went to distance. Now, Ocampo had more success than I expected. He landed a lot of leather on Fondora. Clearly, Fondora really didn't, you know, respect his power and everything. And maybe he was playing possum at times and stuff like that, trying to lure him in. But Fondora didn't look great in this fight. He didn't look as good as he had looked in the Lubin fight, where he took punishment. Fondora's defense isn't very good, but at his size, he's so lumbering at 154. He's going to get hit. He's going to get hit. He's not hard to hit. It's a big target, right? Um, and he's not the most nimble guy, you know, at, at that size. And, it, you know, he's very thin. It's just straight up and down, right? You're going to land shots on the guy, but this is the kind of developmental fight that Fedora needs. He's a young guy and he did get hit, but he didn't take a lot of punishment. He wasn't busted up and cut up and bruised up after this fight. 
he won. I, I scored it like nine rounds to three. Some people thought that was, you know, the scorecards were too wide. I was good with it. I thought that he clear, clearly won, although it was competitive, particularly uh, in little little bursts of rounds that Ocampo did good. But all in all, I thought Fedora, you know, did the better work throughout, won the fight. He needs rounds, dude. Now, did this fight prepare him for a, a, a shot at the Charlo Zoo winner next year? No, not really. But is he more prepared now than he was two weeks ago before these 12 rounds? Yes, he is. The 12 rounds of experience, the lackluster performance, the criticism he's going to get from this, all of it will make him slightly better. Now, again, it's not the opponent that's going to prepare him for the elite. He needs to fight a uh, – who else was on this card? Um Maybe a Igadigis Kavaliowskis, a mean machine. Like he needs to fight a guy like that to help him get more prepared. Maybe a Tony Harrison type, somebody like that. Okay, that's going to help get him a little more acclimated to, to the higher level where he needs to be. But man, dude, clearly this was a stay busy fight. Clearly Fondora came in maybe overlooking Ocampo, regardless of everything he told me and everybody else in media when he was interviewed, he clearly took this guy a little bit lightly. It didn't come in with the same vigor he came in against uh, Lubin with. And maybe he performed under expectations. But you guys, this isn't the NBA where there's 82 games a year. You know, like in the NBA, you have an off night once a week. It's okay. You know, in Major League Baseball, it's the same thing. But in boxing, if you fight twice a year and one night isn't your best performance, well, people look at that and they judge. I wasn't surprised at this. This doesn't change my opinion of Sebastian Fandora. He still won the fight. He got in 12 rounds. Um, yeah, I, I just – he at times in this fight, it looked like maybe he wasn't 100% motivated or wanted to be there, and he was just kind of doing this because his promotion told him to. But he knew that he could kind of get in there and do just enough and still win pretty clearly. And that's kind of what he did. Well, uh, guarantee you, if he fights Mean Machine next or he fights a Tony Harrison, someone like that next, he'll be a lot more motivated. Trust me on this. All right. Um, so this card, the guy who stole the show for me was Carlos Adamas. He scores a KO3 win over Juan Masayas Montiel, wins an interim uh, middleweight belt, which uh, it was, the, I think, the WBC. So it makes him the essentially the mandatory for Jermall Charlo. So at some point in early 2023, I hope it's January or February, but knowing that company, it's probably going to be later in the year. But we should get Jermall Charlo versus Carlos Adames. All things considered, it's probably going to be Charlo's best opponent in years. Seriously. Uh, now, Montiel, he, styles make fights. So, so I think it surprised some people that Adamas was so dominant, blasted about the way he did, but styles make fights. Great performance. Now he's in line. I don't mind that fight, Charlo Adamas. Is it the fight that I want? No, but I, I get it. And I, I like that fight. And the WBC hooking up PBC here, doing business with them to justify the eventual Charlo Adamas fight. It's a pretty good matchup. Not great, but pretty good. Uh, also, Fernando Martinez, as I predicted Friday, defeated Jerwin Ancajas again, retains his 
junior bantamweight belt. I need to correct a mistake I made in my Friday show. I said that Ancajas has been with PBC his entire title reign. That is untrue. I made a mistake. I forgot that he's actually his true promoter technically has been Manny Pacquiao's promotional company. Uh, he's a fellow Filipino, right? But he was promoted by top rank for several years up until like 2018, I think 2019, actually. He's been with PBC since, I think since uh, the pandemic, after the, the return from the pandemic. So um, it's only recently he's been on there. So the fact that top rank didn't match him very tough. Now, PBC's matched him even lighter and it cost him. But top rank, I think, just didn't believe in him. Uh, they were, just weren't ready to do business with other companies and match on Cajas with the Chocolatitos, the, the, the rung V size, those guys, because they knew that he was a level below that maybe. And, and we've seen that he's just not on that level. Um, and uh, one of the weaker title runs, actually the weakest title run in that division in recent years, but Martinez, let's talk more about him. These are two good wins for him. He's on the map now. I think it's 15 and 0 out of Argentina. He's definitely a guy to watch out for. The youth is taking over in that division. The new school's here. I know that we're going to get Estrada Chocolatito, that third fight in December. That's going to kind of be the last vestiges of that generation, it, which has been great, freaking great, right? But Bam Rodriguez, Martinez, some of these other young cats coming up, they're ready to take over. And I think um, starting next year and going forward, they're going to be the guys in that division. I think Bam Rodriguez is the class of that division. But at some point, if we get Bam and uh, Fernando in the ring together, hey, that's going to be it's going to be fantastic, man. And uh, we'll probably see it sooner rather than later. All right. Also on this card, as I mentioned before, Igadijus Kavalyowskis, one of my favorite names to say, unanimous decision win over Michael Fox in a uh, which was a welterweight fight. And look, if you look at Mean Machine, I think this guy doesn't get enough respect. He's a good fighter. His only losses have been to Virgil Ortiz and Terrence Crawford. There's no shame in that. Guy's a quality fighter. So at, now, does he fight Fondora next? Um, does he fight? Does he stay at welterweight and fight somebody there? I don't know. But either way, I'd like to see him in the ring again very, very soon. He's a good fighter who's uh, underrated. Okay. Uh, Papa Chubby says, I love Martinez. Love him. He cries like a baby, but that's okay. <clears throat> Sam says, uh, Martinez, great fighter, but doesn't finish like Adamas did. Yeah, he's not. A, he's not. Again, Styles make fights. Adamas was explosive as hell this weekend, man. He really had performance of the night. Right? Am I right or am I right? He had a performance of the night on that card. Really, truly did. Okay. Now. Preview, shall we? Let's do the preview. Nacho says uh, Martinez is in the mix at 115 for sure. A nice addition to the division. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. This Saturday, October 15th, we have boxing all over the freaking place. So let's start in South Brisbane, Australia, Matchroom on the Zone. Uh, this is uh, kind of a battle of the Aussies, this card. None of these fighters are stars. In fact, none of them are really champions. They're really they're local. It's a domestic card, but there's a lot of Aussie versus Aussie stuff on this card. So I think it's going to do well. And 
I like when Eddie Hearn and Matchroom do these sorts of cards, right? We've seen them do this kind of stuff in Italy, in Spain, in Uzbekistan. So they're doing it in Australia here. Liam Paro, 22-0, going up against Bach Jarvis, 20-0, 140-pounders. That's the headliner. And then Sky Nicholson, an Instagram model who you guys might enjoy looking at. She's fighting. I think that's only like her fourth or fifth fight. Hasn't fought anybody with a pulse yet, so we'll find out at some point if she can fight. But uh, the fellas sure do like watching her fight, if you know what I mean. Okay, also in Australia, but this is technically the 16th. Technically, it is, uh, yeah, over there, it's Sunday the 16th. But here in America, in the, in the West, it will air on the night of Saturday the 15th on ESPN. Debella Entertainment in top rank, promoting the show. It's a joint venture in Melbourne. Uh, ESPN starts at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time here in the United States. Devin Haney and George Cambosos Jr. fighting once again for the undisputed lightweight championship of the world. The first bout was back in June. It was very, very one-sided. Uh, 9-3 is the closest you could score that fight. I think one judge may have had it 8-4, like 116-112. But you could honestly score that fight 118-110. It was really that one-sided, right? So a lot of people are, th are asking, well, why the hell are we getting it again? Because it was part of the original deal. A rematch clause was worked into the deal. Uh, for Devin Haney to get the fight, he had to agree not only to come to Australia, but to come to Australia twice. This is not on Haney one bit. This is all on the Camboso side. Um and a lot, you know, he, he had the belts. He was the champ at that time. So he kind of dictated the terms. It's understandable. He was the A-side. He still is. The, even though he's coming off a loss, he's still the promotional A-side because this is still a big fight in Australia. It's still going to do numbers over there. And a lot of people have asked, well, why the hell would Cambosos take this fight again? Because he was dominated in that first fight. Um, I got about seven figures. Why? Okay. He's going to get paid again. You know, he's going to get a massive payday. I do think he can do better. I do think maybe the car scorecards will be closer. But in the end, Devin Haney's still going to win this fight running away. It's still going to be maybe a 116-112 kind of a fight. Um, again, I've talked about this before, but, you know, um, I'm more interested in what Devin Haney can do different. We, we kind of know the level and the ceiling, the cap for Cambosos who's a good fighter. Don't get me wrong. He's a good fighter. And stylistically, Haney's just all wrong for him. All wrong for him. But there are plenty of other lightweights in the world. I'm talking top, top 10 lightweights that Cambosos can match up with very well and have a lot of success with. Haney's just all wrong for him. And if we're being honest, Haney is going to be eventually a, a welterweight. He's massive for lightweight and just stylistically all wrong for George. So, yeah, I, I like Haney again, big in this fight. Probably going to go the distance because Haney can't punch through a wet paper bag. I'd like to be wrong about that, though. I'd like to see Haney show us another level. Now that he's got 12 rounds in the books, fought on the road for the first time as a pro, fought on the big stage for the first time as a pro in that first fight in June, got that all out of your system, you learned all those lessons. Now, let's see what you can do a second time around, when you know this dude, you know what he's going to bring. You know what he's going to do. 
There's nothing brand new he's going to come with this time. So let's see Haney step on the gas. And if he could actually hurt Cambosos, drop him, put him down, beat him up, get him out of there, that would be very, very impressive. And it would go a long way to developing and building Haney's brand. Because I'm telling you right now, there are so many people who were so bored in that first fight. When it was so clear that Haney's just so much better than Cambosos. He's just, he just is. And it felt at times like he was just playing with his food and doing just enough. And people want to see more from a young, hungry, you know, young lion like Haney. They want to see more from him. So let's see if he could do it. Also on this card, uh, the Maloney brothers are fighting. So um, that's smart for the promotion to put those guys on the card. All right, so let's, uh, before we get to the all-ladies con, it's ladies' night in London, let's jump over here to America at uh, Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, just outside the city there, uh, across the river in Brooklyn. TGB Promotions, Fox, pay-per-view. The P word, pay-per-view. Yeah. So Deontay Wilder making his ring return from the losses to Tyson Fury, going up against Robert Hellenius. This is must-win for Deontay Wilder. We'll talk more about that in a second. Also, the co-main, Caleb Plant, making his ring return since his loss, uh, knockout loss to Canelo last November, going up against Anthony Durrell. Also, we have Gary Antonio Russell fighting Emmanuel Rodriguez. This is a rematch. Of bantamites they fought for the first time last August. That fight ended with an accidental headbutt for Russell. This is his first fight of 2022. For a really young, developing prospect, that sucks. You just want to see more. Um, for this for this to be his first fight, that's more than a year out of the ring for a young guy. Yeah, that's tough. Also, uh, heavyweights, Frank Sanchez, a, a Cuba native, going up against Puerto Rican native Carlos Negron. Both live in Miami now. This is a complete setup showcase for Sanchez. So let's let's start there. Uh, Carlos Negron has been stopped three times. When he steps up, he gets stopped. I think one of them was like a first-round stoppage, if, if I'm not mistaken. So Frank Sanchez, who is about as entertaining to watch as paint drying on the wall, highly skilled. He's... Every bit the Cuban fighter stereotype, right? There's There are some exciting Cubans. Like Luis Ortiz is an exciting Cuban heavyweight. Kind of defies those stereotypes. Irislandi Lara later in his career has become more exciting. But Frank Sanchez just holds up to every single Cuban stereotype, you know, when it comes to boxing, right? I mean, down to the look, the way he fights, everything. This is a chance for him. What management is doing here is handing him the basketball two feet from the from the basket and moving all the defenders up to the bench and saying, here you go. You got a layup. Show us something, right? And they're hoping that he does something impressive. So for Sanchez, he has to get a stoppage in his fight, and he will, but what kind of stoppage is it going to be? An accumulation stoppage? Where the ref comes in and, you know, where Negron kind of gives you the body language. Eh, I don't really want to be here anymore. Gives the ref an excuse to stop it. Like that sort of thing. Or do we see a one-punch knockout here? Do we see a highlight reel kind of knockout where Sanchez catches Negron with a shot he doesn't see coming, which he's very capable of doing, and it puts him down. It creates a very entertaining little 10, 15-second clip that they can 
take and put on the Instagrams and the Twitters and all that good stuff. It is up to Sanchez to do that. He's 412 years old. I think they're listing him at what, 30 something, but he's clearly not. Time is of the essence. If you're going to make some waves, now's the time. This matchup is about as good as you're going to get for the Sanchez people. Make it happen, brother. All right, uh, Russell versus Rodriguez. So this was a this was last year a step up fight for Russell. It's unfortunate that it ended the way they did. I know that they wanted to do the rematch. They had to wait, you know, for injuries to heal and all that good stuff. Um, but Jesus, it's been 15 months or something since that first fight. So I'm, I'm hoping that we get uh, a fight with not too much ring rust, and both of these guys pick up right where they left off. You got to favor Russell here by decision. I think that's what we'll get. Possible late stoppage. That could happen too. Caleb Plant versus Anthony Durrell. I talked about the fact that Plant hasn't fought in almost a year. Right, He got knocked out last November. Coming back, he's almost a year out of the ring for him. There's just a theme with these guys. They fight maybe once this year. Several of them have not fought at all this year. But, um, I mean, first time fighting in a year – Plant is a guy who depends on boxing. He's not a power puncher, doesn't push guys back, right? So he, he needs movement and boxing. That's what he depends on to win fights. There's going to be some ring rust there. That might cost him early. But Durrell, here's the thing about Durrell. He's only been stopped once. That was against David Benavidez. So neither, neither of these guys are big punchers, particularly Plant. He's not a very big puncher at all. Durrell, a little bit more explosive than Plant, but not a whole lot. This is probably going to distance. I would probably bet the over. I just hope it doesn't put all of us to sleep because style-wise, this could either be a very interesting tactical chess match kind of a fight, or it could go the other way and be really boring. So I hope it doesn't turn into that. I favor Plant by decision. And then the main event, let's talk about this. Deontay Wilder, Robert Hellanius. Now, people are talking about the fact that Wilder's lost a step. Uh, he's coming off of these absolute beatings to, to Fury, where part of his life was taken in those fights, not just his career. That's all true. He's also, you know, I said this was must win because he's lost two in a row. We won't even talk about the first fight with Fury. The last two, obviously he lost by knockout, right? And so if he loses this fight, that's three in a row. And it's it's three in a row. If he loses this fight, by the way, there's no way Hellenius could get a decision in this fight. He will have to win 10 rounds to get a draw, right? We, we know this. So the only way Hellenius wins is if it's by knockout. So if Wilder loses this fight, that's three knockouts in a row. Even the, the cult members of the Church of Deontay at that point would start to fizzle out and they'll jump on to the tank thing, right? They're already, some of them are starting to go to that church already. Uh, but he, the Church of Wilder still has plenty of parishioners. They brought this guy in to get knocked out. That's why Hellenius is there. It is up to Wilder to do the job. Now, some people are saying, well, what if Hellenius catches Wilder because the, 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 the punch resistance is gone? This, that, the, listen, guys, it, it, I, I don't see all that. I, I just don't. The losses to Fury were because Wilder was just never as good as advertised. Still a top 10 heavyweight. All right. But he was never this elite level Hall of Fame kind of guy that he was being marketed as. And Fury got in there and just kind of bullied the dude. Right. 
Um, do I see Hellenius getting in there and doing that? No, I just don't. Hellenius is tailor-made for what Wilder does. Wilder has one thing, one thing that he does, long right hand. He needs someone who is not very fleet of foot. He needs someone that doesn't move their head a lot. He needs someone that gets tired as rounds go on and starts to wear down in the middle rounds, drop their hands a bit, not move their head quite as much. He needs a guy that's going to stand upright. He also needs a guy that isn't too short, that can get under his shots, that's kind of right there to be hit. Man, that's that's hilarious. That head is right on the line. It's going to be right there for him. Deontay is going to paw with the jab and, and move Hellenius where he wants him and then shoot the right. I think Hellenius, who does do a good job keeping his head back, he doesn't move it a lot, but Hellenius keeps his head back, kind of on the back shoulder a little bit, and gets his left hand out there to keep distance, right? He'll do a good job of avoiding it a little bit, you know, the, the early rounds, but at some point, Deontay is going to land that missile, and it's going to – it's. It's going to put Hellenius out of there. Here's the thing. I get that Hellenius had these two big knockouts over Adam Kovnaki recently. Adam Kovnaki was never nearly as good as he was advertised as. But also, I've noticed something about Hellenius. I look back at some of his fights this week when I was breaking this one down. Robert Hellenius does not do good against tall, long fighters. He doesn't. In the fights where he was stopped, the fights where he struggled, it was against tall, long, rangy guys. Gerald Washington stopped him. Johan Duapas stopped him. Neither one of those fighters are going to be mistaken with Ernie Shavers, let alone Vladimir Klitschko, Lennox Lewis, you know, Riddick Bowe. No, those guys are not huge power punchers. They're not skillful craftsmen at the elite level. Those guys are able to stop Hellenius. They're tall. They're rangy. They do have some athleticism, both Duapas and Washington. Wilder has more. <laughs> you know, Wilder's faster, more athletic, more powerful, more explosive. So if those guys, because they were punching straight at the target, could stop Hellenius, so will Deontay Wilder. Trust me on this. I think the odds are like nine to one on that fight. The odds makers aren't stupid. Now, if Hellenius did win, I'm not going to say it's, it would shock me. You know, like, like, oh my God, like, oh my God, this is like the craziest thing I've ever seen. But it would be the upset of the year. It'd be the biggest upset of the year. Name me a bigger upset in 2022 than Hellenius beating Wilder, even with Wilder getting knocked out twice in a row. Seriously, name me a bigger one. The odds makers know what they're doing. Wow, Sam says it's 15 to 1. There you go. So th th those of you out there who are thinking Hellenius has a real serious chance here, you're falling into the promotional hype. Stop being so gullible. John Uden asks an interesting question. He says, does Hellenius working with Wilder and sparring in the past help him at all? It actually helps Wilder more. Wilder took a page out of Vladimir Klitschko's playbook and Lennox Lewis's playbook. Emmanuel Stewart, one of the genius things that he would implement as a trainer is he would have his champions spar with all the young guys coming up so they could see them and what they do. And Wilder got to work with Hellenius. I actually think that that, that helps Deontay. Um, think about this, John. 
between Hellenius and Wilder, which one can do more innovative, just athletic things in the ring? That's Wilder, right? Everything Hellenius can do, Wilder's seen it. Now, Hellenius has seen what Wilder could do, but there's certain things on fight night when you turn shit up, right? When you turn up the volume on the speakers, there's certain shit Wilder can do that you only see on fight night that Hellenius hasn't seen yet, if that makes any sense. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> the fight doctor checking in. He says the fact that Wilder Hellenius is on pay-per-view is a complete joke. Yeah. By the way, that, that brings me to a segue, man. That's a great, that's a great comment, bro, because that brings me to a segue. I got to show you guys this tweet that I posted because boy, did it bother people. There's been a, there's been a, um, a graphic going around showing the PBC pay-per-views this year. I think there's been six of them and we got, um, I think one more before the end of the year something like that. Anyway, I track you guys that follow the show, you know that I track or I have started to since 2019. I've looked at the three the three-headed monster in American boxing. That's the three big platforms, right? There's Fox, Showtime, there's The Zone, there's ESPN. And I've kind of had a running comparison of who's providing the most value. And I'll do that video again at the end of this year. I'll show you in 2022 how much it costs to be a fan if you had all three of these platforms and you watched all the fights, I put this graphic together um, and I, I tweeted this today. And this is um, every pay-per-view that Showtime slash Fox has had since 2019. Now, why have I tracked it since then? Because HBO boxing blew up at the end of 2018, right? The, the last big pay-per-view they had was the Canelo Golovkin rematch. So when that happened, you kind of, you eventually got this three headed monster, right? And again, you got the zone, you got ESPN, you got Fox Showtime. And now people will look at Fox Showtime right now as PBC. Right now, ESPN is top rank. And then Golden Boy, Matchroom, and a few others, they're over at the zone. But the thing is, dude, if you look back far enough, there was a time where PBC, Al Heyman, before it was PBC, Al Heyman's fighters were working with Golden Boy Promotions. And Richard Schaefer was there too. Richard Schaefer has his own thing now. They were all working together on HBO. Right. And then uh, Top Rank used to be on HBO. Main events used to be over there. So, so there was like these guys have all switched different platforms. OK, so I'm not really even focusing on the promoter, just the actual platform here. Fox Showtime over the last four years since the old structure kind of blew up and we got this three headed monster. It's not even close, dude. DeZona's charge pay-per-views. And I've been highly critical. You guys here on this show heard me bash the shit out of the zone for saying, oh, we're the death to pay-per-view, right? We're, we're going to kill pay-per-view. And then what do they do? They start doing pay-per-view. And the price is ridiculous. If you're already paying a monthly subscription, you shouldn't have to pay 60 bucks. Or in the case of the last one was 65 bucks for the pay-per-view. I bashed the shit out of that. I've bashed top ranks pay-per-views. The Fury Dillian White pay-per-view. The fact that that was pay-per-view here in America, that's a fucking joke. That's a bigger joke than uh, Wilder Hellenius being pay-per-view in America. Seriously. So like I've been fair across the board on this, but if we're just looking at the facts, dude, PBC has had $1,790 worth of pay-per-view in the last four years. That doesn't even include your subscription to Showtime. 
which is, I don't know, $10, $12 a month. So like that's your subscription over the last four years has been, let's say, uh, I don't know, uh, 500 bucks plus this. You're spending $2,300 in the last four years just to be a fan of boxing that watches these PBC fights on, on Fox slash Showtime. Um, that's crazy, dude. That's crazy. And so this Wilder Hellenius one is just the latest. And we can argue over the reasons why all these fights have gone to pay-per-view. Um, the blame is shared, but ultimately, if you look back when PBC first went over to Fox and started doing shows there, Fox, CBS, this level of show, let's be honest, guys, in 2018, I'd say even 2019, Wilder versus Hellenius, Plant versus Darrell, this shit's on Showtime. This is like a doubleheader on Showtime, let's be honest. So it has changed. The platforms over there, the networks, I should say, are not willing to pay the money that is required to cover these fighters' purse demands. That's what's going on over there. And it's, I, I just, I show this graphic and I talk about this for those of you listening on the audio, um, not to bash anybody. I want PBC to succeed. I want boxing on Fox and Showtime to succeed. PBC is the biggest. American promoter, specifically of American fighters, because the other American promotions, they have American fighters, but they also have more international fighters, right? So the biggest platform in America with the most American fighters is struggling to where their networks won't even pay the money for the fights to be broadcast. They have to go to pay-per-view all the time. That's not healthy. That's not good. It doesn't help build the sport. And so like, I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. Um, I'm certainly not trying to take sides or do anything like that. I want success, but like th this model concerns me because my primary focus and my prerogative is to give things from the perspective of the fight fans, number one, and the fighters, number two, and the overall health of the sport, number three, you know, what I, I think that the role of media is to be skeptical and challenge authority. And always do that, uh, always fight for the voice of the people. Okay, well, the people here would be the fans and the fighters. The establishment would be the promoters, the sanctioning organizations, the testing groups, the commissions. That's the man, right? <laughs> so I'm supposed to question the man. I'm supposed to be skeptical. I'm supposed to ask these questions and bring up these concerns because I'm fighting for the people. That's the fans. That's me. That's you and the fighters themselves. So me showing a graphic like this, it's not to uh, root against anybody or beat up on anybody. It's to literally just do what I'm supposed to do. That's what, that's the role of media. You're supposed to question everything and be skeptical of everything. But anyway, I had to bring that up because of that segue. <clears throat> All right. Before I preview this ladies' night card, let me check on these super chats. I'll make sure I didn't miss nothing. We got one from Sam here. Thank you so much, Sam. He says, George, not a chance in hell, Cambosos. I hate to say it, dude, because I like George. Again, fun fighter, just not on Devin Haney's level. I completely agree with you. Devin Haney is just better than him in pretty much every category. Except maybe power. That's the only one. 
Another one from Sammy says, wow, Wilder went down to negative seven, seven, five today. What the F what's that mean, Sam? So what, what were the odds higher and they've narrowed up a little bit? Let me know. Let me know. Cause it seems to me that the odds were really, really wide at one point. So if they've narrowed this week, I just think that's idiots buying in at the last minute, which they always do. And the really smart gamblers are going to take advantage of that. Unless like somebody heard something, um, you know, there's something going on in camp that we don't know about. I don't know. <clears throat> I just, I don't see any way. I mean, of course, if Hellenius lands connects with a big right hand or something, of course he could win, but he'd have to literally win the lottery, dude. Wilder's just a better fighter. Okay, that's what I thought. So, so X8 says, it means people are betting on Hellenius. And Sam said it went from 15 to 1 to 7 to 1 today. He said uh, Haney is 7 to 1 also. Haney should be 7 to 1. But for the Wilder Hellenius odds to move that much, um, there's some fuckery afoot. I, again, I just think that if it's moved to seven to one, then Wilder by by stoppage is an even safer bet than it was before. All right, real quick. Um, actually, I might need a minute to talk about this. O2 Arena in London, ESPN Plus here in the States. All right. Um, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time is the start date of the ESPN Plus broadcast of this card in the States. So I just want to put that out there, 2.30 Eastern time. And this is an all-female card. Normally, I don't like stuff like that. It's gimmicky, and it's making it, I don't know. It's just making it political, right? But in this case, you're you're featuring some of the best female fighters in the world, and you're featuring, um, a, you know, almost undisputed. What One's an undisputed championship, and one's almost undisputed. So – with the level, the high level of boxing we have here, like, I, I get this. I actually think it's pretty cool. So the main event, Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. Shields is bringing the WBC, IBF, WBA middleweight belts. Marshall is bringing the WBO. So this will be complete unification for Undisputed. We love Undisputed here, right? And there have been some recent Undisputed fights, particularly in men's boxing, where you weren't getting the two best in the division. You weren't. It just, things were working out a certain way. But here in this case, these are the two best fighters in this division by far. In fact, they're the only two elite fighters in the division. Because north of 147, there's maybe two or three elite female fighters in the entire world. Maybe two or three. This is two of them. So, uh, I like this matchup a lot. And then the co-main, Michaela Mayer versus Alicia Baumgartner. Mayer is bringing the WBO and IBF junior lightweight fights. Baumgartner is bringing the WBC. Let's talk about that fight first. So you look at these two girls face them. First of all, let me say this. The female card, way better matchups in terms of odds and pick them, right, than all the, the male boxing this weekend. Hey, I got to say it. It's not me trying to be woke. It's not me trying to kiss ass. I'm just telling you guys the truth. These two fights are better on paper. I'm not saying they'll translate to better action in the ring. Don't mistake me. I'm saying they're better on paper in terms of odds than all the guys boxing. That's just the truth. 
this particular fight, you look at Mayer, you look at Bumgarner. And to the naked eye, Baumgartner, with her ripped muscles, right? She's jacked. She's the most jacked female fighter in all of boxing, maybe in all of women's boxing history. She's more jacked than most of the male fighters. So on the surface, you're looking at this and you're going, how the hell can this tall, skinny chick beat this jacked chick? Also, when you look at the fact that Mayer can't punch for shit, she has zero power. Baumgartner's actually stopped some girls. Everyone remembers her stopping Terry Harper last year. So that was like a knockout of the year contender. At least it was the knockout of the year for women's boxing. People remember these things. And so they look at this and on the surface, they're like, dude, this is, Baumgartner's got to be the favorite, right? Well, to the more astute eye, the more knowledgeable boxing fan, um, you could start to read between the lines here. And, and honestly, I, I think this is a very one-sided fight in the other direction. When you look at the amateur credentials, Michaela Mayer went to the Olympics. She fought the best women in the world in and around her weight class. And at 130, there is talent in women's boxing in those lower weight classes. There really is. Uh, the talent really goes up when you go down to like 118 and stuff like that. But like right around there, 126, 130, 135, there's some real talent. There really is. So, um, the mayor has fought some of the best girls in the world as an amateur because she went as far as you could go as an amateur. Bumgarner didn't. She had a very short amateur career, came to boxing really, really late. And she's improved dramatically since she started. She's a lot better. But if you look at her resume, amateur and pro, and compare it to Mayer's resume, it's night and day. Mayer has fought the better fighters. She has battle-tested. She has the skills and the experience. And when it comes to boxing and other martial arts, not necessarily wrestling, but kickboxing, boxing, martial arts where you're on your feet, where it's stand-up, it's often better to be tall and long than short and compact and jacked. The short, like Alicia's build is better for wrestling and MMA. That's where that build is I would say more of an asset, more of an advantage in boxing in kickboxing, you know, martial arts or again, it's you're on your feet. You have to use length. Being tall and long actually makes you stronger, particularly over a long fight. When you're going eight, 10, 12 rounds, that build serves you better than the other build. So I don't be surprised. If on the inside, when these two girls get tangled up, if it's Mayer having her way more than Bumgarner, seriously, on the outside, Mayer is going to be able to land shots and, and get out of the way and do those sorts of things. She can't punch for shit. So Bumgarner is going to be able to come in, bum rush her, and throw some wild, crazy stuff. It is up to Mayer to slip all that, block all that, catch it, frustrate Bumgarner, touch her, turn her. Repeat, touch, turn, repeat, and do that for 10 rounds. I think she will. I think she'll win this fight maybe 97, 93. The, um, there, there are comparisons in this matchup, not exact, all right? Don't jump down my throat, but there are comparisons in this matchup to when Katie Taylor fought Amanda Serrano, okay? And I'm sure you know where I'm going with that comparison. The difference is Katie Taylor gets dumb in fights. And she wants to get into a brawl and she stops boxing. 
if she would have boxed Serrano, she would have won a virtual shutout. But she started getting into a brawl with her, and it cost her. I don't see Mayer doing that. I think Mayer is much more disciplined than Katie Taylor in that regard, and she's also not dumb. She knows if she stands there and trades with Bumgarner, she's getting slept. She has to box. I think she will. I think she's going to win this fight probably seven rounds to three, somewhere in that range. I think that's what we see. All right, main event, Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. Now, this is the one where, guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but the odds have been like 50-50 for this pretty much the whole way through, 50-50 odds. This one is a little tougher to dissect, and I keep thinking about it. Um, I get that I, both fighters are going to be pay, facing the best opponent of their pro career, both of them. Shields is going to be facing her toughest opponent stylistically, and Marshall's going to just be facing the best opponent she's ever fought in a boxing ring, period. So there's that. Um, a lot of people are pointing to the fact that about a decade ago, Marshall beat Shields in the amateurs. I've been saying all along, that don't mean shit. It was a decade ago. Shields was nowhere near as experienced as Marshall was at the time. Shields was just a pup. Marshall, it's not like, I can't remember the exact scores, but I want to say it was still fairly competitive. Marshall won. But later on, because that was, I think, the world championships, later on in the Olympics, the girl that knocked Marshall uh, out of the Olympics, not physically knocked out, but I mean knocked her out of the Olympics, meaning she beat her. Shields beat that girl. Shields has shown marked improvement since then. She's way, way better. Now, Marshall's improved too. But if you look at the pro resumes of these two women, neither one of them is great. Shields' resume is vastly overrated. I want to say like nine of the 12 belts she's won were inaugural belts that were basically created for her. There, were, there was no uh, lineage to them at all, right? Including um, the, like the ring championship she's won and stuff like that. So like she, like vastly overrated, but still much, much, much better than Savannah Marshall's resume. Savannah Marshall hasn't fought anybody to prepare her for what Shields is going to bring. So I kind of look at this fight, and it, it, it's true. Marshall can land a big punch. She can. Shields has been dropped. She's been dropped by girls who aren't as big, as big and strong as Marshall is. It's true. That was a while ago. Shields can get uh, unfocused. She's dabbled in MMA. Shields is very, very entitled. She's one of the more abrasive, difficult personalities in all of professional boxing. Um, part of the reason she jumped over to MMA is she felt she wasn't getting paid enough in boxing. She doesn't really bring much to the table, and her personality doesn't help. So um, she's also kind of added a Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury-esque kind of a element to this promotion. Uh, she's tried to. The promotion has done very, very good at silencing those flames and keeping that out of it. But Shields has tried to take it there a couple times. So she's bringing in, she's kind of coming in loaded with some things that maybe will distract her. Maybe will cause difficulty for her emotionally and all that. But just based on skills and, and overall guys, based on experience and just the resume, I got to take Shields. 
I got to take shields by decision in this fight. That's what I see. All right, let me check these super chats super duper quick. And then we can move on. You guys let me know if you think I'm crazy, but that's just the way I see these things. <clears throat> Anthony Santiago with the super chat. Thank you so much. Says Mike, or what's up, Mike and chat. As a Puerto Rican, the Miguel Cotto versus Sean Porter fantasy fight on Twitter was straight disrespectful, LOL. That's not a close fight at all. Yeah, so for those of you who, because I know you guys love when I talk about Twitter, uh, somebody tweeted this out today. Uh, how would the fight between Miguel Cotto and Sean Porter go? You know, and they, a lot of there were people out there saying Porter would win. A lot of people are saying it'd be a close fight. And I immediately looked at that and I said, 117-111 Cotto. And I was probably being generous. As Miguel Cotto was a Hall of Famer, you know, at, he started at 140 and did the bulk of his work at 140, 147 before moving up to 54 and 60. And, you know, he fought a Canelo weight a couple of times. But a lot of you guys remember him like at 154, 155. But, man, at 147, he was really good. I, I know he lost that first fight to Margarito. I'm not even going to get into what was going on in that first fight. Outside of that, um, and, and he lost to Pacquiao, who's an all-time great. And that, that was a catch weight, whatever. Against Sean Porter, dude. I was ringside for Sean, several of Sean Porter's fights, but you know, I thought he clearly lost to Errol Spence. I was ringside for that. He clearly lost to Kel Brook. I was ringside for that. I see Kodo is better than those guys at his best. I just do. Um, Errol Spence has a chance maybe to show that he's better, but he hasn't yet. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you, dude. Uh, I like Sean Porter. Awesome guy. Good fighter. Got in there and fought everybody. By the way, so did Cotto. So that would be a fun, fun fight, but you got to go with Miguel Cotto on that one. Come on. John Uden with the Super Chat. Thank you so much, John. He said, any word on the undercard for Zapata versus Pro Gray? As good as that main event is, I don't want to go out to L.A. If Marv Nation can't get a solid co-main, dude, I've heard nothing about it. Nothing. We still don't have a venue. We still don't have a location. Um, or I know, no, no, wait, sorry. We don't have a network. I don't know what network this is on. I don't know if it's on the zone, ESPN. I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I just hope the fight really does happen because the Peta versus Progray is a fantastic fight. Fantastic fight. Two guys I really enjoy watching. Uh, let's see. Shadow Combat brings up an interesting point. Says um, Marshall, Savannah Marshall, also beat the women better than Clarissa Shields beat. And you're, you're mentioning that as the pro in the pros, right? Because um, Marshall's style is better for pro boxing. I agree. Uh, look, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But um, styles do make fights. And um, that is a fair point. But I still got to go with Shields. I, I just look at who she has fought. There are several names on there that are much, much better than the girls Savannah Marshall has fought. That being said, all her distractions and everything she brings to it could work against her. I can certainly see that. Okay. Uh, Sam A says that uh, Pro Gray and Zapata, November 26th at StubHub. Yeah, that which I think that is a fight that belongs at StubHub. I think they'll actually do a good crowd if they price it right, which they will, because that promotion understands the LA market. 
Um, this last fight, uh, Fedora Ocampo had a terrible crowd. I saw a couple of you guys tweet pictures and videos from the crowd. Couldn't believe it. Because, again, Fedora coming off that fight of the year candidate, and you had me, Machine, on there. You had Fernando Martinez, uh, Juan Macias Montiel, Sebastian Fedora. You should have did a crowd there. I don't know if they just priced those tickets wrong or what. The thing is, dude, in L.A., you have so many entertainment options. I mean, just in sports, guys, you have, I think, three professional soccer teams, two pro football teams, two pro hockey teams, two pro baseball, two pro basketball. Um, you have every damn sport you can think of. And it's not just one pro team. It's multiple pro teams in the area. So, so like, you're, you're in the height of sports right now, right? Uh, Dodgers are in the playoffs and all that. Like, you, you got to be smart about putting on a show there in uh Carson and you got to price the tickets correctly. Anyway, that November 26th at StubHub, I think that's going to sell. I think that's going to sell. Old Dirty Boxing says the problem is it was a PBC showcase. Yeah, look on paper that that main event was certainly a showcase fight. Undercard was good, but listen man, um I was there for Golovkin Rubio. That was a showcase fight. I mean, it wasn't it was sanctioned by the sanctioning body. Rubio had to fight Golovkin, right? It was for like an interim belt or whatever. So it's not like a cherry pick or anything, but like the odds were crazy. Why? The crowd didn't give a shit. The fight was over in like a round. No one gave a shit. So I've seen plenty of fights there where if you just, if it's done the right way, if it's promoted the right way, they'll show up, man. That's a fun venue. Sam with the super chat. Thank you so much. He said they had a soccer game also. Maybe that hurt the fight. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, StubHub, Dignity Health Sports Home Depot, it is a tennis, there's like a tennis court there, and that's where they put the boxing matches and like the tennis, what do you call a tennis, you call it an arena? I don't know what you call it, but um, where the tennis court goes, they put a boxing ring. But then on the other side of it, there's a huge soccer field, and I think the LA Galaxy play there. For a while before the, the, the football stadium was built, the American Gridiron football stadium was built, the Chargers and the Rams played there. And, you know, they did big crowds. So, yeah, if you got a soccer game going there while that boxing event's going, that's just, just bad promotion, dude. It's just sometimes it's the who, what, when, where, and why, right? Uh, <laughs> Chad says, oh, my God, am I stuffed. Chad, you got to tell us what you're eating, man. What, what what do Canadians eat up there in Ontario um, for Canadian Thanksgiving? Let us know. What do, what are you eating over there? I'm curious. Uh, let's jump to the phones real quick. We got Nacho on the line. We know he's going to have some good stuff. Nacho, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, Mike. What's going on? Uh, None much. Just uh, <clears throat> listening to you, and uh, I agree with most of the stuff you were talking about. The uh, that tweet about the PBC pay-per-views, like like I told you on there, Mike, and uh, and a couple other people seem to agree with my sentiment. The the defenders of the PBC who claim that they have no issues with um, them using pay-per-view as much as they do, uh, I'm sorry, those people are not investing their money to buy those pay-per-views. And a lot of them have said that um, when you listen to other podcasts. Like, they literally have gone out of their way to claim that they're not actually purchasing any of those pay-per-views. So this idea that uh, these defenders of the PBC being okay with pay-per-view 
it, it's all it's all hypocrisy because in reality they don't uh, fork over their own money to purchase these fights. They they do other they get them through other means. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So it, to us fans who actually do watch these fights and actually do pay for them, yeah, it's really hard to believe that they've really put on like 25 pay-per-views in the last three years. That's insane. And that's insulting to us fans who want to watch fights that literally we're getting bombarded with pay-per-views um, as much as they, as they do it so often. <clears throat> it's just nuts. But I don't see it stopping anytime soon because like uh, someone said on a, on another podcast, if they're legitimately not, losing money on these pay-per-views they're just going to keep milking it as long as they can i mean there's no incentive not to keep doing it so uh, i don't know i don't know if that ever changes um as far as the the fights this weekend mike um i was surprised that ocampo went the distance i thought fundora was going to get him out of there probably in nine or maybe less and i give ocampo credit for going the distance, but those scores were just completely insulting to Ocampo. It's almost like the re- the judges gave him no credit whatsoever for the fight. I mean, one of the judges had it 11 to one, and then the other one had it 10 to two. I'm like, wow, like that's uh, out of hand. I scored the fight eight to four for Fundora. I thought that Ocampo won a few of the rounds um, towards the first half of the fight. And then he snuck one or two, you know, that were swing rounds that I gave to him as well. So it was just kind of crazy to see those scores being announced. It's like, wow, like sometimes you wonder why guys get so upset at these judges in that, you know, you you bust your ass in there and you put a good effort out there and then you don't get rewarded. I mean, it's insulting to some of these guys. It's completely unfair. Um, <clears throat> the thing that was really crazy and – uh Chad, I'm sure might bring it up, but I'm going to bring it up, uh, was the whole thing with Jack Reese. Jack oh, Reese yeah. at one point, Mike, tried to get tried to get in uh, involved in the fight by um, saying he wanted the fight stopped, even though Campo hadn't been dropped or hurt or wobbled or anything. And he was trying to get the, the, the corner to stop the, not the corner, the doctor to stop the fight. And even Al Bernstein got upset during the broadcast. It was hilarious. Even he went in on Jack Reese for trying to do that, like trying to interject himself. I, I couldn't believe it. Reese is normally one of the better refs. Yeah. And for him to try to do that, it was just really bizarre. I don't get why he tried to stop the fight when it didn't need to be stopped. But, I mean, who knows? Um, Martinez and Ancajas, it's kind of like we said on Friday, Mike. I thought Martinez was going to be a better fighter and having won the title, and he proved me right. He was just better than Ancajas. Ancajas kind of looks like a guy who probably needs to move up because it looks like he had trouble getting down to 15, and I think he probably needs to move up. But I just don't see him being effective at 118. Like, he's already a small guy as it is at 15, and, and he's already getting beat up at 15. I would hate to see what some of these guys at 118 would do to him if he moves up. So I don't know what they do with him, but with Martinez, I think you're right. I think he's a, a really good addition to the mix at 15. Hopefully the PBC can get him involved with some of the bigger names, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. And then um, the Adamas Montiel fight, man, Adamas just 
totally caught, I think, me and a bunch of people off guard. I never expected him to stop Montiel. That was crazy how he just completely bombed him out and got him out of there. Um, but I think people are kind of letting the hype get a little too big without Adamus. Just because he bombed out a guy that Charlo struggled with doesn't necessarily mean he's going to do that to Charlo. Exactly. I think Charlo would be a lot more competitive Different with Adamus. So I think people, yeah, I think people need to pump the brakes a little bit and, and not let that, you know, go over their heads and start acting like Adamus is just going to blow out Charlo the same way he did with Montiel. And then lastly, with the fights, Mike, I'll just make my predictions. Um, I think Haney wins a decision again. I think maybe uh, Cambosos is a little bit more competitive, but I think he wins that clearly. I could see like nine to three, um, eight to eight to four, but he should win it again. Uh, the the girl, the women's fights. I agree with you. I think Shields probably pulls out a decision, although it's going to be close because they are fighting on the road, yeah. and I have a feeling they might try to bend a little more towards Marshall if Marshall doesn't get some knockdowns or, or, you know, gets win some rounds, they might try to fudge the star, the scorecards a little bit to try to make it a little closer, but I think Shields should win. And then the other one too, I agree, Mike, I don't think Mayer, Mayer has been kind of like hyping up the fight by trash talking with Baumgartner, but I don't see her going toe to toe with her. I think she's going to be stick and move all night. I don't think she exchanges very often with Baumgartner and I could see her, like you said, winning a decision as well. And then Wilder, Hellenius, like you said, Mike, that's a complete setup. Anybody who thinks Hellenius um, has a chance to win that fight, you're completely nuts. They they made the fight for a reason. I think Wilder probably stops him in eight or nine. And then with Plant um, Durrell, I think Durrell is over the hill, Mike. He's 37 or 38 years old now. He, he's gotten beat up in a lot of fights, and then Benavides beat him up really good. I think this is a showcase for Plant. I think Plant wins um, unanimous, uh, unanimous as well. I don't see Doral having much left in the tank. I think Plant should win this easily. If he doesn't, then that's going to be a real bad look for, for Caleb. All right, Mike. I'm sure there's other people waiting. All right. Thanks, Nacho. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. All right, man. I completely agree with Nacho and everything he said, man. Me and Nacho tend to see things the same way. And um, he does bring up a good point, though, about Darrell being a little bit long in the tooth, man. Um, you know, I mentioned the fact that he's only been stopped once, and that was against Benavidez. And obviously, Plant doesn't hit like Benavidez, just isn't nearly as aggressive. So I do see that fight going the distance. But I agree with Nacho that it's pretty much a showcase for, for Plant, and he should win. Um, my question is, you know, why didn't this fight between Plant and Darrell, why couldn't that have happened in the spring? Why couldn't we be seeing Plant versus Benavidez now? Think about it. You know, I understand you want to get Plant back in the ring, get him paid. Um, all, well, he got a massive, massive payday last year. But get him in there, you know, and have this fight with him and Durrell, like in, in, I don't know, April or something. And then get him and Benavidez in the ring now. There's a pay-per-view. Um, or Put it to you this way. If... Wilder Hellenius was pay-per-view, but the co-main was Plant versus Benavidez. I don't think people would be bitching as much. I think people would see it like, oh, okay, <clears throat> this is this is okay. This is pretty solid. 
I don't love the main event, but it's heavyweight shit. That's fun. But man, this co-main is solid. You know, uh, I, I think people would see it a little differently. But, you know, hey, I guess I'm just crazy. <clears throat> Let's see. Oh, a couple of you guys saying uh, Shields Marshall's a draw. So John Uden says Shields versus Marshall reeks of a draw to me. Will be close enough not to be controversial and milks the rivalry. And then Mohammed Shafiq agrees. Uh, says Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall ends in a controversial draw. Shields will be viewed as the winner. Interesting. I can see that. I can see that. Sam with another super chat. He says, I disagree about Wilder's chin. Hellenius is a live dog. I, I Listen, man, I feel you on that. But, okay, I'm going to look up Robert Hellenius's box rec right now. Because I want to see who is he knocked out that has the frame of Wilder. That's a tall, long guy. Because as I talked about before, he struggles with tall, long guys. He got knocked out by Washington, who's every bit as tall as Wilder. Um, Erkan Tepper, who is not as good as Wilder, but he's 6'5". Okay, he stopped that guy, but he's not on Wilder's level. Dillian White. Dillian White's shorter than Wilder, and he's more of a compact kind of guy, though, inside fighter. But he actually went the distance with White. But it's it's funny, man. Uh, Washington stopped him, and so did Duapas. And Duapas dropped him twice. And those are tall, long dudes. You know, let's see. How tall is Duapas? He's got to be 6'5 or something. Okay, they list him as 6'5. So... I don't know, dude. I'm just, I'm looking at who he's fought. Who is he knocked out? That's tall and long like that. You got to go way back to like, I'm looking at, he fought Sergei Lakovich, but he was shot. He fought Derek Chisora way back in the day. He's not a wilder type. There's just nobody on his resume that makes me think that. I still say if, if Hellenius stops wilder, that's the upset of the year. And I, I get that he could punch. He's a heavyweight. I, I get it, man. But um, it's really if if Hellenius could land something in the first two rounds, this could get interesting. If we get into the third round, Hellenius hasn't landed anything yet. I think Wilder's going to stop him. All right, back to the phones we go. We got three one seven on the show. What's up? Hey, what's up, Mike? I just got done uh, working out. And, uh, dude, this is literally like perfect timing, you know, um, uh, for me, I work out around this time and I was like, I was uh, going on YouTube cause I work out the boxing matches and uh, I saw the neutral corner was live and I was like, eh, I gotta work out. Sometimes that urge is just too much, you know? So, yeah. um, I decided to work out, but luckily you answered the phone right when I, uh, uh, got done working out. And, uh, today I worked out to Lara versus Canelo. And that was a really good workout. I mostly went on like hard. Uh, I know it's kind of unrelated. I just want to talk about it real quick. I was going like hard body punches on the bag because that's what happened in the fight. And uh, yeah, anyways, though, so I'm glad I could come on the show. <laughs> cool. I'm glad you got a workout in, man. So what, you but, hit, hit the bag or what? So, uh, yeah, I always stretch. Then I shadow box and then I'll just hit the bag. And then if my brother or uh, dad are down, I'll do mitts with them. Cool. All right. Okay. Okay. So I haven't been listening. So what are your thoughts on the the fights this weekend? Like each prediction. Well, so real quick, man. Um, I did a full breakdown, but I got Wilder sleeping Hellenius. I got plant decisioning Durrell. 
Haney decisioning Cambosos again. I got Shields winning by close decision over Marshall, and I got Mayer winning pretty wide decision over Bumgarner. That's what I got. Interesting. Um, dude, I got Hellenius for the upset just because if he does, I'll get insane odds on that. And Wilder doesn't have really a chance. You know, Fury doesn't hit that hard. Mm-hmm. So, um, But he just landed so much on Wilder that he just couldn't take it. And I think Hellenius, would you, would you say Hellenius hits harder than Fury? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, Fury doesn't hit hard in an explosive way, but Fury knows how to leverage like his height and his size. And he's a big dude punching down at you, but he's kind of slow and plodding. Not plodding, but slow the way he punches. Um, Hellenius is not fast at all, dude. He's kind of plodding and stuff. May- maybe a little bit. Maybe. Maybe I give him that edge over Fury. Yeah, sure. He probably hits harder. One punch power. Okay, then Haney, Cambosos. I want to say Cambosos so bad, but I just don't see it, man. Give me Haney decision. Um, the other fight, uh, the, the uh, female fights, I got Clarissa Shields decision, but I want Santa Marshall to win so bad. To quote uh, one of the guys on boxing Twitter, uh, yeah, I want uh, Clarissa to drink a whole lot of that uh, clean flint water they got over there. <laughs> nope. No, but um, actually, fuck Clarissa. Then there's the uh, mayor and um, Bob Gardner. I don't know either much about like either of those guys. So I'll just say what you say. I'll say uh, mayor. And then um, the other one, I think Plant Jarrell will be a fun one. When you rewatch Canelo um, Plant, bro, Canelo was taking like although they weren't hard shots, he he was hit. I don't know if you remember. Like against Plant, he was hit with some right hands that are like the flushest he's ever been hit with. That he's never like he didn't even roll with at all, and we're like super flush. And Plant's good offensively, so I'd like to see if Plant can pull off the stoppage. But Darrell's a tough guy, so I think that's a pretty fun fight. Okay, all right, fair enough. I hope they don't put us to sleep. Then we got. I hope they don't put us to sleep. That's all I'm gonna say. <clears throat> yeah, man. Uh, so, was there any updates that I missed that happened? Like in the boxing world right now? Not nah, same old shit, man. Same old shit. Fights not being signed. Um, no, nah, that's it. Man, Crawford Spence, I'm just done with that shit. Like, dude, I honestly, it's not even in like one of my favorite fights anymore. Like, honestly, it, when it happens, I'll just be like, eh, I don't really, not really interested anymore. But <laughs> I feel you, yeah. Man. And then, um, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, cover, um, I'm trying to think of something before I head off. Cause I don't want to, you know, I got to make them these a little spicy, but, um, so what are the, um, oh yeah. Jake Paul, Anderson Silva, even though that's like a joke of a fight, I think that'll actually be kind of fun. I think that's pay-per-view too. I don't know what the price is, but yeah, that's pay-per-view, man. Yeah. Showtime. Um, there was a guy on, uh, I just want to, uh, cover this real quick on the Showtime fight this weekend. Um, who fought this weekend? I can't even remember. Fundura. Dude, he looks very vulnerable. I think if you just go to the body, you knock him out. I respect Fundura, but dude, he looked extremely limited. Yeah, he didn't have a great performance, man. He really didn't. Bro, and what the fuck was with Jack Reese saying, 
you got to show me something or I'm going to stop the fight. Are you, are you fucking retarded, dude? Yeah. Are I completely forgot about what Jack Reese. Of- I, I, I like Jack a lot, man, but he did not have a good night. And then he fined. He said, I'm recommending fines for his corner stalling too long. Dude, I used to respect Jack Reese, but dude, go fuck yourself, honestly. <laughs> and then um, what was what was the undercard fights? I want to cover these real quick. Well, you had, that, you had that Mean Machine fight. Mean Machine versus um, Michael Fox. Yeah. And then Fernando Vargas versus Jerwin Ancajas. Carlos Adamas knocked out Montiel. That was the performance of the night. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I think Adamas will be a fun little um, fighter at middleweight. But the Mikhail Fox versus, uh, whatchamacallit, Mean Machine. Dude, when it comes to, if we're talking about if every fight started in round two and ended in round three, uh, Mean Machine is the best fighter on the planet. Would you agree? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, he dropped Crawford, hurt Virgil Ortiz in those two rounds, and you saw how just, Rounds two and three, just he's a great, he's great in that. But uh, anyways, Mike, uh, you have a great week, man. Uh, oh yeah, one more thing, Mike. One more thing. Yeah. No, 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 one more thing. I gotta yeah. call. So, dude, I texted you and I said that I was driving the other day. I was going fifty six in the forty, and a cop pulled me over and he said um, he asked for my driver's license and apparently he's supposed to switch um, within thirty days of moving to a new residence because I still had my Indiana license. You have to get a new license, and he said this license is expired, and I got a misdemeanor for driving with it. He said it was expired license, which is bullshit. But um, dude, I got to go to court for that shit, and it's like a seven hundred dollar fine just because I Damn. didn't. It, it's not. It doesn't expire, but because it was, um, you know, an Indiana license, and it was the biggest bullshit ever, dude. Isn't that so stupid? Damn, dude. Yeah, that's rough. That's right. Go to court and just play stupid. And maybe they'll maybe they'll wave that shit. I don't know, but damn, dude, seven hundred bucks. That sucks. I, I already got a whole ass attorney. I already got a whole ass attorney and everything, bro. I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm straight. all right. But, yeah, you'll but, be good. Yeah. All right, Mike. All right, Jack. Have a good, have week, a good one, man. All right, and um, Kazai asking, uh, what day are we, Mike, with the Spence Crawford fight not happening? I just checked. Today is day number three hundred and twenty-four since. Uh, Terrence Crawford's last fight with top rank. So he has been a free agent for 324 days. Damn. And that fight still ain't happened. And you know what? It ain't going to happen this year. All right, guys, let's take one more call. Then we're going to, um, we're going to call it. Let's go to Sam here in New Orleans. What's up, Sam? How you doing, man? Hey, Mike, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a hilarious fan, but after seeing Wilder, take the beatings that he took in those two fights. I just think it's not going to take much to get him out of there. Now, can he hit him? We don't know. But this guy knocked that Pollock out twice, I'm pretty sure. And that guy can take a punch. And he's got a real good right hand that could change a fight. And I think that's why the line went down in half. Um, a lot of people saw that, you know, this guy's got a knockout power. Now, I know he's lost to some guys that aren't that great. But I think he's a live dog if he can catch Wilder early. Yeah, that, that's my thing. If he catches uh-huh. Wilder early, he's got a chance. But I'm telling you, after the third, fourth round, that's it. That's it. He should come out guns blazing. Okay, man. I got a story. I got a story for you. We were talking about Carlos Manzone last week. Um, have you ever heard of Tony Licata? Yes. 
New Orleans fighter. But when I was 10 years old, my, my dad and mom were friends with his family. And he was like 40 and 0 or something like that, Tony. And they were talking about fighting Monzone. And my, my dad said, literally, do not do this. Guy's a killer. And uh, Tony took the fight. His dad took the fight for 35000 in New York. And uh, they said, I didn't see the fight. I didn't go. But they said Tony was doing well for a while. And then Monzone, he's like Navarrete with those arms. He's just constant punches. And he just, he, he beat Tony so bad, he, he really changed his whole career. Like he, he, uh, never was the same. I mean, and, um, so when I, when I brought up my zone with the cab drivers, I wasn't saying he was no good. I was just saying he had a lot of cab drivers mixed in oh, with yeah. that 79 and up, but no, he was, a, he was an animal. I mean, he, he reminds me of, of a middle, I saw a replay. You can go on YouTube and see when he fought Tony. And, uh, I think he knocked him out in like the 10th round or something, but he beat him up. I mean, he reminds me of Navarrete, like a 160-pound version. I'm just nonstop, lanky, and uh, power, and just, you know. Um, so I was just trying to you know, give you a little story. So I, I had something to do with part of my zone, you know, just, just knowing Tony. But, yeah, he, he fucked him up. I mean, never was the same. Just a club fighter after that. Yeah, Licata wasn't – he was Italian and Chinese, right? I think he was Italian and Chinese and from New Orleans. That's a hell of a combination. <laughs> it's a hell of a combo. His dad's name, his dad's name was Ralph Chong. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was an and, interesting um, uh, background. I had to be friends with him after that, but I just, you know, for 35000 it's almost like when Kel Brook took the fight against Golovkin. He at least he got $5 million, but it was a mistake. You know, he yeah. ruined his whole career. Yeah. And uh, but Monzone, I remember my dad telling him, like, did you not take that fight? This guy, this guy's a killer. And he took it. And, and, and Tony, this was no match for that guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's levels, right? Uh, that's just because yeah, after that, I, I actually just pulled up his his box rack. He um, that was for the WBA belt. Monzone had the WBA at that point. And I think Lakata had only lost I mean, once. And it was a majority decision. It was a close fight. And he he lost to Raymond Mendez, Ramon Mendez, and then he beat him in a rematch. So, uh, but after Monzon, man, he lost multiple times. He was stopped multiple times after that. Just wasn't the same guy. He got knocked down his next fight, I'm pretty sure. Yes, he did. Yep. Yep, yep. Um, last thing, um, last thing about the fights this way, I'm not gonna go with all of them. The better the year is Haney minus seven hundred. Don't take the knockout. Don't take anything. Just give seven to one, and it's stealing. If you got the money, put it up. I mean, he's not going to lose to this guy. He, he guy can't guy can't lay a glove on him. And it's almost he reminds me of Floyd. He just he's, he guy can't hit him. So I'd give the seven to one. Hopefully, it'll go down a little bit. But that that's still he should be fifteen to one, like Wilder was. And uh, but anyway, I'll let you guys good to talk to you. All right, good to hear from you, Sam. Have a good one, brother. All right, thanks. All right, guys, that's it. That's the show. All right, um, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you Friday. We'll do it again right before uh, the big, big Saturday of boxing. So at least we got a lot of boxing this weekend. Have a great week. I'll see you at the fight. Peace.